Matthew Leckie puts Australia into the quarterfinals. That is a magnificent goal by Owamabil. Oh, Matty Ryan, wow! Camping it out of the top corner like Superman. Hello and welcome to another Socceroos podcast, where we go one-on-one with your favourite players to keep you connected with the Socceroos. My name is Michael Putterflat. On the latest episode, we chat with Socceroo cap number 602, Brandon O'Neill. There are few professional footballers with an outlook on life like Brandon. Despite trying circumstances both on and off the field, the Socceroos midfielder has adopted a special approach to everything he does that all people can draw inspiration from. Brandon talks through his moves from the A-League to Korea and now to Thailand, where he's proving himself at one of the biggest clubs in the country. Through all that and also COVID-19, the 26-year-old explains how he's been dealing with and making the most of his time with his dad, who is battling a terminal illness. But Brandon's story is one of inspiration, and as he reveals, his journey is really just beginning. So without further ado, here's the full chat with Brandon. Brandon, thanks very much for joining us today. Uh, firstly, tell us where you are in the world and how everything's going with you. Yeah, randomly, um, we've ended up here in Thailand in a little place called Buriram. Um, and it's been an eventful journey, to say the least, um, in the past four months, nearly five months now that I've been here. Um, yeah, moving moving from Korea to, to here happened very quickly. Um but uh, as me and my wife sat down when we were back home in Perth, when this opportunity came uh, came up, it was it was just too good to refuse. We sat down and um, yeah, we we really understand what we want to do um, post football in life. We 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 try to live a life based on our core values and principles. And I never thought I'd be in this position, and we never thought we'd be in this position where we were given such a, an amazing opportunity. Um, not only football-wise, but life-wise, really, to to set up what what we want to do post football and post life. And um, it was it was a no it was a no-brainer. Absolutely, I'm very very humbled and very lucky to be in this position, and we never forget that. Um, but. When, when we first arrived here, it was um, you, you come here and you, you, you really have to be entrenched into the Thai way of thinking, the Thai way of footballing. Um, but you're, you're treated very well. The people here are lovely. Um, the culture here is lovely. The way of life is very easy. Um, but again, it's uh, completely different to, to what we're used to in Australia. Um, but it just makes for amazing experiences um, some unbelievable stories. Um, but again, I never thought growing up a young lad from Perth would ever be in this position to um, to be able to to do what, what we do and be given this opportunity. So, um, yeah, Thailand for, uh, for the next two months post-season and then another year contracted here. Um, we'll, be, we'll be home for, for the time being. Bit, bit to unpack there, but you, you kind of said that, you know, it's an opportunity you couldn't pass up. So, um, yeah, t- tell us a bit about, you know, what what attracted you to this opportunity and, um, yeah, what, what it's been like so far overall. So when, yeah, when I left, um, when I left what I still refer to me, football and home Sydney, um, again, me and my wife never really make rash decisions. We sit down and we, we, we talk about things. And when we left Sydney to go to Korea, it was it was all about um, 
just chasing the higher level of football as long and as hard as we could. The only thing that would ever stop that um, would be, again, this is what we sat down and, and chatted about, would be what I deemed as the best reflection of myself post my career was if I could give my family and my wife the opportunity to not have to stress, to not have to worry, to live their life as as they wish. Um, for my kids to be given every opportunity in life. Um, the, the sacrifices your family make away from football, not many people see them. Um, and my wife post-football would love to study medicine. She wants to become a doctor. And how good would that be that she sacrificed so much for me to live out my dream playing football in all these crazy places that post-football we can be in a position where I can say, no problem, I'll get the kids ready, I'll get their breakfast, I'll get them off to school. You go and live out your dream now, becoming a doctor. Um, and again, them, them chats happen um, when big decisions have to be made. And when we were in Korea, um, it was an amazing experience football-wise. Uh, the level of football was amazing. Um, I feel like I really improved as a player over there. Coming back to Perth for, for family reasons, um, I never, never thought in a million years like we were set to go back to Korea. Like there was, there was no plan whatsoever to even travel here, there, and everywhere, especially in COVID. And when this came across uh, our face, it was just like this can't be. This is a laugh. This can't be happening. Um, and then 24 hours into it, it was real. It was again. We sat down, and it was such an easy decision because. Um, yeah, me and me and Nicole just we we had things put in place for if 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 this was to come, we knew what we were doing. If not, we we chased the high level of football, um, and it was really cool. It was really a cool experience to go through that because we just had them core values and principles in place. No matter what's happening in the in our life, our main goal is our future, our fulfilment, and how happy we're going to be raising a family um, post-football. Um, and yeah, it, it's it's mental to think about that now because I, I feel very grown up chatting about that, you know, like I feel very grown up talking about it. Um, but it's the reality of, of life and the perspective on things that um, football will end and what happens, you know, after football when that ends. And I'm here in a beautiful country, still playing the game I love, being able to provide as much as I can for, for the future. Like I'm so, so lucky and so, so grateful to be able to do that. Um, and, and yeah, that, that's been our journey from Korea um, to now having a crack in Thailand. Before we get into some of the football, I just wanted to ask you in terms, you know, as you said, you're, you're speaking and you're feeling very grown up. I'm wondering if there's been, you know, some formative experiences that um, have really instilled in you you know, just how important it is to have those core principles to govern your life by? Yeah, 100%. Um, we were, again, it, it kind of stems from the environment that you're in. And I had five unbelievable and amazing years at Sydney FC. And um, I often credit that culture and that environment and the people I was able to work with in order to shape um, how I want my life and how I see life um, as, as a whole. 
And me and Nicole really, we try to live our lives with as much as a growth mindset as we can. We're, we're always learning. We're always getting better. And we're always trying to seek out things that we can just have a crack at. Because why not? We're here. We're, we're able to. Um, and when things come across our desk like an experience like this, when you have them core values and principles that you can always go back to, decision making becomes really easy. You know, if, if something doesn't agree with you, more often than not, it doesn't agree with you because you don't see it in a light, you know. And and when this deal came across our desk, we sat down and we think, OK, what do we want our future to look like? Um, and what is this opportunity going to give, going to going to help give us that? Um, we put two and two together and um, like I, that, that, that's my dream. You know, my dream post football is to be to be a dad, you know, find another purpose in a different sport, whether it's CrossFit, whether it's horse racing, whether it's anything to do with that. Um, but to also to give back, you know, like so many people sacrifice so many things for you to, to be the best athlete and best footballer you can be. And the biggest achievement I can give post-football is actually giving us the opportunity to know you want to become a doctor, Nicole, you go and chase that dream. Like my son and daughter, if you want to become whatever you want to be, here's the resources on you go, have a crack, fail, fail again. Like it does, I'm going to be here to pick up the pieces, you know? Um, but in saying that, like I want to play till I'm 40, you know, I want to, I, I want to get as much out of my career as I possibly can. Um, and even in these environments where probably the, the sport, the sports, science base and the conditioning the gym program isn't as good i'm very lucky that i get to deal with people like um the a sydney fc sport uh so i think conditioning coach chris pappas or uh, eric andrew clark from the socceroos that you can speak to and you can you can make sure your body is still in a really good foundation um to to give it longevity um so yeah in in a kind of a, of a nutshell if you have core principles I guess, to, to live your life by, um, it makes decision-making a lot easier. Well, it has for me and Nicole. Um, and yeah, I'll, I'll ride this horse playing wise as long as I can. Like you look at a Wilco, you look at a Broski, like these, these lads have done it and experienced it and played it, uh, and um, like the best level they can in Australia, but they're choosing to, you know, they're, they've looked after themselves, they've set themselves up very well and they've had an amazing career, all probably stemming from being good human beings and having good principles and values in place and um, yeah, learning from sorts of people like them um, has been able to, again, hopefully give us this opportunity and, and many more to come. So in terms, in terms of opportunity, um, tell us a bit about life um, in Bayram and, and what the football is like, maybe perhaps share share a yarn or two that you might have up your sleeve. Yeah, it's um Tyster, God, it's like a ping pong match. Um my high speed meters will be up for sure. So Clarky will be happy about that. Um some teams here in Thailand actually are, are possession-based teams, um, but that's to do with the coaching style. And um, there's a few Japanese coaches, um, a few more other foreigners. Um, but I'd say 80% of the league is very transition-based, so not much build-up, not much possession, 
Um, when you win the ball back, it's how quickly can you get that ball in behind the defence and it's just every man and their dog just get forward, get into the box and see if we can if we can get a few uh, a few sausage rolls. So in in that aspect, it's been an amazing learning experience because I'm just learning a different style of football, whether I'm good at it, whether I'm bad at it, whether I'm um, doing my job, I'm not. I'm there and I'm having a crack. Um, and it's it's an amazing experience. Um, since I've come here, um, the, the the Thai lads have been really welcoming. Um, they're very warm and they're very they're very um, wholehearted. They, they smile, they enjoy life, they work hard, um, and they've made my experience awesome here, um, especially football and wise. Again, the probably the biggest thing about Asian football and Southeast Asian football is it's so cutthroat. You you feel like you, you're doing it all right. You're having a good game. And 25 minutes, they could be getting someone to warm up to take your place. It's it's that cutthroat. Like, um, it, I, I've had experiences now where I've come in and thought, oh, bro, you're doing all right, actually. You're getting, getting in the box and you, you're playing forward passes and you, you're doing all right. And then you'd be just taken off. And then you're thinking, well, am I having a bad game? Or is it they're just watching it or they're just their their ideas in their heads just see it totally differently? And and these are the things you've got to accept as a footballer because again, we've been brought up, I've been brought up in a very Australian football culture where we focus on possession, we focus on build-up, we focus on formations, we focus on rotations, we focus on so many detailed stuff, especially like a club at Sydney FC where we were everything was done properly. And then you get thrown into an environment where it's it feels like it's chaos, you know. It feels and you're like, how do I get to grips to this? And the best thing you can do is just experience for what it is. Have a crack, give your best. Um, like you're still coming home to a cooked meal. You're still coming home to someone that loves you. It, it, it's it's not the end of the world if you don't get things right, you know. But what what an amazing opportunity experience to actually have a crack in a, in a totally different footballing culture. Korea was the same. Korea had um, a lot more emphasis on on ball possession and build up and and ro- rotations and and things like this. So it kind of suited my game a bit better. But for the opportunity to go and learn a totally different style of and brand of football here in Buriram in a very high pressured, high stakes world that I'm in, um, where the the that it, there is a predominant hierarchy system that you've got to make sure you evolve to um it's it, again it just it makes for the best stories and the best experiences and i'm i'm very very again i, I come back to it i'm very very lucky and humbled to be in this position because yeah what i'm experiencing now will hold me in the best stead for the next 10 years of my career where like you I want to be back in a place where I'm I'm I love the club I love the culture I love what they're about and I love being being able to be a part of that and I think Australian sport in general gives you that but in the time of my life now where I'm I'm 26 turning 27 why not experience as much as you can you know like do as much as you can get as drain as much as you can um out of every part of Asia, Europe, the Middle East, anywhere you can, and then 
when you finish with that period of your life, like if I stick my hand up, if Nicole sticks her hand up and said, look, we're finished now, how are we positioned for our future? If we've ticked boxes, you beauty, we've done that. Let's uh, let's go home and let's start our next chapter. Um, and being able to to do that again, I'm 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 so 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 lucky. I mean, as you described, it sounds like an absolutely unbelievable opportunity to yeah develop yourself and develop another side of your game while having some incredible experiences. So I'm just just kind of wondering in terms of like you know the skill set that you had as a player at Sydney at Pohang um, and then Thai football being such a different, different style of play and different beast. How did you actually, you know, get scouted by the club to potentially come over? Yeah. So they've, they've obviously they, they probably saw um, gains in Korea um, and I'm, I'm guessing probably more games as well in, in Sydney. And um, I think they, they like this, the style of play that I did for obviously Sydney and Korea and they wanted me to bring that, but adjust to the way Thailand played. So, obviously, me being on the ball and starting the a build up and um, being able to sh- showcase my passing range and my tough tackling and getting forward and kind of being a busybody as I as I like, um, a ball winner and a ball player. Trying to then bring that into an environment where your strengths aren't being used was really challenging at first because it was like, yeah, you're a good player, but now you have to do it in a really challenging environment that actually isn't going to allow you to, to perform at your best. So when I first came here, I was like, how, the, how am I going to get on the ball here? Like, how am I going to try to do that? And it's like, well, if, if I can't do that, I need to find another way in order to have an impact on the game. And I started finding with... Um, with so many games in the last four months that we've had post the break of COVID and now two games a week, it was almost like taking matters into my own hands that like, like distance running hasn't been a problem for me. I've been able to cover, cover ground on a football pitch, no problem. But being able to get into the box, then being able to be back in our box, win the ball and then somehow transition back into the, the opposition's box, like, that's a tough, a tough beast in itself being the defensive midfielder because you're winning the ball, but then you have to run past a lot of people to get there, maybe start an attack and then run all the way back. There's no middle ground where you can keep the ball for a bit and get your breath back. So that comes down to um, my, my kind of scheduling um, in terms of what I'm training. Um, and here in Thailand, it's been a lot of high-speed efforts um, in short, sharp intervals, um, in training, uh, days off, um, even before training. Um, it's been dialing in um, gym and strength work, being able to have the power and have the output to actually physically do it. And then it's just been practice. It's, again, having that growth mindset to think, mate, I, I might not get this right. I may feck up a lot of the time here, but you've you've just got to give it a crack as for long and as hard as you can and whether at the end of it you stick your hand up and say like look I gave it a crack and it wasn't meant to be no problem at least you can look yourself in the mirror and say I did everything I physically could to play that that style of football um where you've got to this is probably the hardest thing about Asian and Southeast Asian mindset is if you have one bad game 
you're deemed a bad player in the eyes of the club, the president, the coach. But if you consistently play well, you're deemed as a superstar. There's no in-between. There's no like, he, things aren't working for him, but he's trying this and he's trying to do the right thing. It's like, well, hold on. Why aren't you doing what I'm asking? And it's like, well, you're trying to stick your hand up and going like, I've not come from this background before. I'm learning all over again. But unfortunately, the the high stakes and the high the high opportunity they give you here, it's like you either do it or you don't. If if you don't, then we'll just get someone else. We'll give you what you're owed and off you go. And if you get wrapped up in all that, then you you come away from who you are as a person, the process you've taken to get here. So that's been a huge perspective and mindset building exercise over here to say, actually, like, I understand where they're coming from, but I'm not going to actually take that on board. I'm going to try to implement what you've given me and I'm going to continue to try and do that. Whether I get it right, whether I get it wrong, I'm going to try, I'm going to have a crack. And if it works out, how good. I've learned so many things. If it doesn't work out, I still feel I've gotten better because I've I've actually given a crack at something different. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it, it's it's one thing to come here and think it's all going to be rosy, and it's another thing to experience what it's all about. And like I said, I'm going to have stories coming out of my nostrils, honestly, with with the amount of things that have been happening over here. So, um, for my wife to come over and experience this way of life, and for us to be able to do this again, it's um, yeah, it's just pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I think mean, you just you spoke to exactly how much you're going to grow, no matter what happens, really, from this. And in addition, all the different stories that you're going to have, no doubt, be some some awesome tales. Um, as in terms of the club as well, they seem to be going going well, sitting in third with a couple games to go, and then I believe there's um some cup games to be played after. Do you want to just kind of explain what's coming up for you? Yeah, so yeah, we are. We've I think we've only lost when and um, when the break happened with co- a bit of a COVID spike over here in Thailand. Um, it was issued that we we pretty much play two games a week till the end of the season, and then um, the the cup competition would be um, would be played post season. So we're in the quarterfinals of that, um, and our style of play actually it it re- it works well. Like I. I the results have just proven that it, it probably works. Whether you whether you think you're not touching the ball for 20 minutes or not, you, you get chances and teams give you chances over here. And we've got the quality of player here in, in Buriram that can take chances. We've got tremendous Thai lads um, um, that play for the national team over here. And um, they, they make um, playing football in here quite fun. Um, yeah, in, in terms of our form, it's been... Since we've we've started from that break, we've only lost one game, and that was to the top team here that haven't lost a game all season. Um, we went from when I first came here, we were seventh, and now we're second. Um, so we've gone on this amazing run, um, and it's been awesome to be a be a part of and experience the the highs of of playing and playing well, and to the lows of coming off a half time thinking, what the hell am I doing here? You know. But in this experience, yeah, to to hopefully now win a quarterfinal, win a semi-final, and maybe experience an FA Cup final where COVID's starting to simmer down over here. Like we, we may get a full 
eighty or ninety thousand full stadium at FA Cup final. Um, and the way we're traveling, I wouldn't I wouldn't put it past us, you know. So um, them experiences are awesome. Like even last night, for example, Nick Nicole went um, to a first game to at Buriram, our stadium, and our stadium is is dead set a European Premier League style stadium. Like it's it's brilliant. The, the atmosphere, the fans, they we sing we sing the Buriram song before the game. It's kind of like you you never walk alone, but Thailand style, and you sing that before and after the game with the fans and. And it's just you, you're lined up in your team um, and you just sing with the fans, you know, and the whole stadium sings with you. And that's it. It's unbelievable. Such an amazing experience. Um, and and, and kind of the, the setup here in Buriram, like they have everything. Like you, you talk about your resources and the money that gets pumped into clubs in your, in your Chinese league now or your Korean or your Japanese at the high end of Asian Champions League. And, here they want for nothing. They have everything. Um, there, there's a few things, a few crazy things that happens. That like if you, if you're obviously a foreigner coming in, you think, Christ, like if they if they got some things right over here, Jesus, they'd be a force to be reckoned with. Because whatever you want, you get. It's very professional, and you're very well looked after. The political side of football you can't control, so you just let that park itself, and you you roll with it. But for your take it on, on face value um, and where you are and what you do, and Buriram is by far and away the biggest club in Thailand. And resources-wise and stature-wise, it has to be one of the biggest clubs in, in Asian football for what for what they're able to get um, and what they're able to do here. It's um, Yeah, it's quite remarkable. And in terms of some of your teammates and, and players in the league, you know what's what's some of the caliber of players that are that are kind of coming through either from within Thailand or or overseas. Yeah, so the, we're we're in Buriram. We we've got I think the the, the top notch Thai players here. Um, we've got two two lads that are uh, twenty one and eighteen. Um, one's called Super Chock, um, and one's called Super Nat. Their nicknames are Czech and Bank. They're probably the pinup boys here in Thailand in terms of the, the new breed of footballers coming through. Um, they're technically, physically very, very good. Very, very good players. And they play for the national team here. We have a club legend here, um, Jackapan. His nickname's Notes. He's been here for 10 to 15 years, I think, along with our goalkeeper, Champ, Champ Sirawak. Um, and they've been... Thai national team players, regulars for for as long as I I know here. But they're 35, 36 and still in condition that they can play for another four or five years, no problem at all. So that you've got the aspect of like senior players that have been there and done that, but they play at such an amazing level. And then you've got this young breed of coming through that Asian football, they can go here, there and everywhere if they, if they choose to be. Um, in terms of the foreigners here, we um, I, I get along really well with um, uh, Kevin Ingresso. He's a midfielder as well. He's a, a, a Filipino-German. And he's played here in Buriram, I think, coming up to about 18 months. But he's had uh, Asian Champions League experience. Um, 
we we have two Brazilian uh, attackers, Maicon and, Sam, and and Samuel Rosa. They've played at the top level in, in Brazil. Um, for, um, and our defender as well was captain of Fluminense, De Gaulle. So the level of foreign players, and there's me sticking my hand up, going, "Yeah, I've, I've I've kicked soccer balls in Australia, and I've done this and that, but not to the level that that you're at." But um, yeah, yeah, it's you just kind of roll with it. You're just like, "Yeah, I'm here. I'm I'm deemed as a foreigner, but." Like I'm Thai, like just treat me as a Thai lad. Like, like it doesn't matter. Like I don't want to be treated any differently. I'll work, I'll work my knackers off here. It's all right. Um, but you can see the 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 level of pressure that comes with being a foreigner here, and it and it was the same in Korea. And when we're when we're in Australia, um, we haven't we haven't got that pressure with the being Australian. Yeah, the foreigners coming over might, um, but Brian brought up in such a an amazing country and this is the other thing it, it really puts into perspective of again like I, I want to raise my hand up and say like I'm so grateful and I'm so lucky to be in this position but when when I achieved a lot of the things that I never thought I'd achieve in Australian football back home in Sydney it was my goal then to try experiences as much as I could overseas and when I went overseas it it really puts things into perspective how lucky we are to live the life we do in Australia. We we don't want for anything. We have an amazing lifestyle. We have an amazing culture. We have an amazing sporting atmosphere. And clubs are run properly. They're run, they're run to, to, to suit the organisation. And if you can get good people in your club that work hard and want the best... In Australia, it, it's it, it's an amazing lifestyle. I mean, Nicole talk about this like we when we're ready to go back, when we're finished, we can't wait for it. We cannot wait for it to bring up our family in Australia and call Australia home because it is by far and away the best country on earth. Um, and you don't realise that when you're playing sport there for the, your whole life until you go away, you don't realise how hard it is going away. But then, in the flip sense. You don't realise how lucky we are in Australia. So um, yeah, again, we'll we'll live this life as long as we can with with our core values and principles and our goals in place. But when one of our hands go up and say, "Right, we're ready to to go home," it will be an amazing chapter to close here. But it will be such an exciting chapter to reopen going back home. And I guess in in addition to the the lifestyle that comes with home, um, I guess the thing that players would often miss most about playing overseas would be their family. Um, and I guess yeah. while you've had, while you've had, you know, this really exciting journey over the last year and a bit, um, probably had a little bit of a, a tough side in terms of um, some personal family collect connections in terms of some of the health battles that have been happening from your family. You able to kind of talk a bit about, um, yeah, what's been happening, you know, with your dad and your family and, um, yeah, just a bit on that. Yeah, of course. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm chatting about, obviously, me and Nicole and, and our life that we're so lucky and humbled to be able to live. And, yeah, you, you might sense that I come across positive and everything's all right and this, that and the other. But, um, oh, it's it's been, it's been tough. It's, re- it's been really tough. Um, I've gone through some very dark stages here in Thailand and here in Korea where I've... It, you, you're going through trauma in in a sense um and it's ongoing trauma 
and you're in, a, in an environment, again, I'm holding my hand up, I'm lucky to be in this environment, but you're in this environment where the person you are doesn't matter and who you're about doesn't matter. All that matters is performance. And if you're not performing, you're deemed unnecessary for requirements, really. And unfortunately, over the, the last year and a half, you, you, you're, I'm thrusted into things where I've, I've got to perform. But like performance doesn't matter when you've, you know what's happening to your best mate, you know? Um, my dad, I just, I, I just don't understand how he's doing what he's doing and how he's still with us today. God love him. He's got no lungs. Um, he's, since since um, I left Sydney, he's been battling terminal lung cancer. Um, it got to a stage where um, I'm here in Thailand and it's um, he, he was given a small amount of time to be with us as the cancer had spread pretty much into a lot of his, his body. Um, and it was it was a real a real eye-opening experience for myself to to go through like like all, all I've ever all I've ever wanted to be was a footballer and all I ever dreamt about and worked towards was becoming the best version and the best athlete of myself I could be. And I really learned that in Sydney and in Korea I took it there and in Thailand I'm taking it there. And don't get me wrong, I still live my life chasing that. But there's, there's some mornings you wake up and you think, what, what's the point? You know, it's not bringing me dad back. You know, it's not changing what, what he's going through. Like, why should I? Why should I go and do my gym program? Why should I eat properly? Why should I put my best effort into my football? Like, like I, I can't get this time back with him. Um, where I have been very lucky is where I came back from off-season we came back very suddenly because it went from a stage where my dad was stable to my dad was not really in the best of condition. And me and Nicole were like, right, we'll pack up shop here and we'll get home. Um, and I was lucky in, in COVID in a COVID world to spend eight amazing weeks with him where me and Nicole lived at me, 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 mum's place and, um, and my dad's place. And I woke up every morning to him, and it was literally wake up every morning and think, right, what do you want to do today, Dad? Um, and it was that quality, quality time that I don't think a father and son, when you're home, like an ordinary father and son probably get because the, the father's working or the dad's doing this. And it was like, I wasn't working. Obviously, dad couldn't. I mean, we were just at home and every single day I'd go and get her a, a Macca's coffee. And we'd put a few bets on and, and watch the horses. We'd watch Leeds play our favourite team. We'd watch Sydney. We'd, we'd, we'd talk about life and like things I'd never talked to my dad about ever. In them eight weeks, we had yarns upon yarns upon yarns of just about like just everything, you know, a father and some bond that it, it, it was just amazing, really amazing for both of us to go through and experience, you know. Um, and when, when this came up, this, this, life-changing opportunity for myself and Nicole. It was so funny sitting down with me down and talking about things. And um, he was pretty much just kicking me on a plane. Like he was like, get your rear end on that plane. You cannot turn this down. Um, 
And he said, if you're going to keep me going, you've got to go over here and give it the, the best you can. Because I, if, if I know you're giving your best, I'll fight as long as I can over here. And I've been here four months now and he's, he's still here. And I talk to him every day. I FaceTime him every day. And yes, he has his, he, he, he has his really bad days and he, he, he has his good days, you know, especially when he's win, winning on the, on the punt on a Saturday, he's up and about, you know, and when Buriram are playing, he's up and about and he's doing things that gives him energy, you know, and um, he sleep he sleeps a lot. Um, but it, it's it's just un- it's unbelievable what I felt and and what I've experienced here because like I've gone to I've gone to a really dark place where nothing mattered, um, and that's not me at all. Like that's not me at all. Um, and to have the support network around to talk to me dad about it, to talk to me mum, to talk to me agent Tony Rallis, to talk to um, mates over here and. Um, and then to get my wife over to actually speak about how can I balance our family's ongoing trauma with performance. Um, that's been the trickiest bit of it all. Um, but it obviously helps when you get a FaceTime from your dad and he's smiling and he's he's so proud of you, you know, and I'm I'm so proud of him. Like I said, he, he shouldn't be here, you know, he should not be here. And he is, you know, he's He's trying to pick out the Golden Slipper winner for this Saturday, you know, and a big race meet in Sydney. I'm like, Dad, you shouldn't be doing that, mate. You should be. But it keeps him going, you know. Like, every time I step on the field for Buriram or, man, if I get to experience another Socceroos game where I get to represent my country, like, he just bursts with pride. And like I see it, is it, it may add a week. You know, it may add two weeks. It may add, it may add two hours, you know it's just adding to his life and I, I get to experience that with him for as long as I can. And, um, I've cried, I've punched walls. I've, I've, I've taken it out on some poor Thai chaps in, in a tackle. Um, I've taken it out on so many people and, um, to, to be in this position now where we're, we're grateful. We're not scared. Um, is an amazing place to be at. And I thank, I thank my wife. I thank my dad for fighting as much as he can. I thank my mum for her support. I thank the support team work around me in, in Bimby from Sydney FC, in Tony Rallis, my agent, who's my second dad, for these sorts of people to, to, to get me through the most difficult part in experience of my career and to still be here and to still be kicking a ball. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's been amazing, amazing. And I guess Brandon O'Neill, the football, the professional footballer. Um, you know, where where would you be in terms of football um, without kind of your dad's influence growing up? Like, how important has he been to your just your love of football, really? Like my my love of football came from from this the sport. Like, I, I, just, I just love the sport. Like, I love, football's going to be a part of my life forever, you know, and kicking the ball around was just everything in terms of how we were brought up as a family. But what my dad gave me in terms of opportunities, I, there's, there's, there's no chance I'd be here. There's no chance I'd be here playing professional football. That It couldn't be. Like, without him driving me to every single training session, that wouldn't have happened. Without him... Um, steering me in the right direction of like 
like Brandon, you, you're all right at this this football stuff. Maybe give it a crack at like a state level, you know? Like maybe like try it, you know? And he was the one that could always could always just give us that little nudge to say like, don't stop, you know, like be good at this. Just like don't don't be don't just play state league, you know, don't just go and train on a Tuesday and a Thursday and be happy with what you're doing on a Sunday. Like, like give this a crack. Like I'm in it with you. Let's do this. You know, let's do this together. And like, as all footballing dads, they love the sport as well. But my dad was never like, he'd, he'd always be the helper. He'd never be the one that would be like on the sideline going like, you've got two left feet right now today or this, that, like he'd give you criticism when it was due, but he was there at ECU junior, club, me, me junior club, like pumping up the balls, filling up the water bottles, helping with the canteen, making the coffees, filling out the match card, washing me kit, you know, like dropping me here, do it. He was, he was just a, a moral of support and a, just a moral of like, just get it done. You know, you can, you can do this because you got the talent. God knows how I ran about the field because I was the size of a house when I was younger, but I, I, I knew I had talent when I was in the center circle and I had ping balls, you know, I had a good passing range and he could see that in me, you know, and he just, he, he just, he, he provided the pathway up until the point where it was down to me. You know, when I, when I made the Gory you set up and I made my first team, appearance in the A-League his job was kind of done then it was it was like it's up to you now Brano if you want to do this full time and live live this life I've given you as much as I can and I'm going to be here to pick up the pieces if it doesn't work out but it, it's up to you and um, then that experience the two to three year experience where I was sat on a bench at Glory just watching the team it was like he was just there he was just there to say like just keep going, keep going down to training and working hard. He has a he has a saying that he, he loves saying this: the cream will always rise to the top, and what will be will be. So, if you pretty much put in the work, the fruits of your labour will pay off. If it doesn't, what will eventuate will just happen no matter what. And in a weird sense of way, like I I, I live a life now where like. Number one, I want to control what's inside of my control and let everything else go. Focus on the process, not the outcome. That's how I train. That's how I live my life. And I'm so happy doing that. And if I can, if I can control, I can control. More often than not, you're doing what other people aren't willing. And if you're doing what other people aren't willing, it's simple facts. Like tomorrow, I'll be able to do what someone else can because they didn't do what they should have done. You know, and in the space of a football and aspect, that's that little switch, that little edge that you can get on your rivals. You know, like, 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 like I should, I should not be here in Thailand, mate. I should not be here in this opportunity. I shouldn't have been in Korea. I shouldn't have won everything there was to win in Sydney. Like, I, I, I didn't have the resources growing up to do that, but. I've made it happen and I'm going to continue to make it happen. How? Because I was built on the foundation of me old boy built on the foundation that he, he brought up for me and, and everything now I, I do as long as he, 
he can be he's he's in it with me and we have just this bond this just amazing bond that like it's just it is an amazing it's an amazing bond and my wife sees it my mum sees it and it's like we're all in this together living this unbelievable life and counting our blessings because we we a lad from Perth growing up here shouldn't be doing this and it's amazing to to think of that such a special connection and thank you very much for you know sharing your story and and that relationship that you have with your dad who seems to you know have had such a massive impact on you and is you know developed in such a such an incredible incredible person incredible human being so i guess you know you, and you've spoken a lot about um you know your love for football you know how we helped foster that um and how you said so you you know you want to be involved in the game as long as possible so i guess when you're done playing overseas and you you know winding up the professional career um, you know, what, what are your aspirations in football after that? Do you want to go into coaching? Do you want to go back to your grassroots club and, and get involved there? You know, what, what, what would you love to be doing in, in football after football, I guess? Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's again, some of them live chats that you have, um, over a cup of tea with, with Nicole watching a bit of Netflix and live saying like, you you reflect on the life that you've got, but, um, Again, we're doing this for our future and life after football. It will definitely involve the ECU June look. I think I've got that from my dad now where, um, look, it may not be coaching. I think I want to be a 45-year-old player playing State League, no doubt. Like, that would be unbelievable, you know. I, I, I want to play for the NPL side there. And um, I saw uh, I saw Sainz put up that he'd love to go back to Armadale and, have a crack at an FFA Cup and um, look, if we can get some of them ECU boys back into the setup, like you've got a lot of good quality young lads coming from, you've got Arisi Williams, you've got Ryan and Aaron Williams, Shane Lowry, Chris Hurd, Adam Taggart. Um, you've got a lot of lads coming from, we could give Sainz as Armadale mob a run for their money. And um, I think, yeah, definitely, I, I want to be involved in some aspect in, in grassroots football and I want to help as much as I can ECU um, in whatever I can. And if that means being like me, old boy, and making the coffees for a Sunday morning junior fixture game or doing running the line or um, just little things, you know, um, I think being involved in that community would be awesome. But there's one thing that I've, I've said probably in the last couple of years and I've come to this realization um, that after football, so many people have sacrificed so much to give me everything and more to be the best football I can be for as long as I can be. And I'm going to ride the wheels until they fall off. You'll have to strip a leg off me to stop me playing, you know, but when I do stop playing, I don't want my family to sacrifice anymore. I don't want my wife to sacrifice. I don't want my mum and dad to sacrifice anymore. I don't want friends and family to sacrifice anymore. They're, they're finished sacrificing. I'm the one. I want to give them whatever they need, you know, and this is what I'm doing, what I'm doing now, you know, and it comes back to life after football in how I see it is like, again, I want my wife to have a degree in medicine and I want to be, to become a doctor and I want to support that as much as I can 
I want my, my kids to have every resource under the sun back home to do whatever they want to do and know that dad will be here, you know? Dad will be here to drop me to school. Dad will be here to pick me up from school, drop me to um, a football game, a tennis game, and whatever, you know? I, I, I want to be, I guess you could call it a, a stay-at-home dad, but, like, I want... I just want to be there and I want to experience that, that life. You know, I, I don't want, I don't, I'm, I'm living this high performance life now. And when I'm all said and done, there's going to be different priorities in my life. And I'm excited to find that purpose again. Like we, uh, the mindset we live at the minute, um, my wife loves CrossFit and it's a, an area of, of sport where, I really feel like I can dive into after football. Um, and it has been since Sydney, you know, I, I um, in, my, in my spare time days off when we, we didn't have so much schedule, I'd go and I'd, I'd practice Olympic lifting. I'd practice double unders. I'd practice handstand pushups or handstand walking. And it, it, it just gave me a little bit of like another, another, another fire burning. Like it's, it's almost like starting fresh again, you know, like I am, terrible at crossfit terrible but when i stop playing when i'm 40 imagine from 40 to 45 like there's a master's competition in crossfit if i've got five year span if i can absolutely give it me best effort again to get to a 45 year old masters and think right let's give this crossfit a whirl that could be my new purpose. That could be my new, and then like on a weekend again, making the coffees for, for ECU June up and marking the pitch and whatever they need, I'm there, you know, on a Tuesday and Thursday, if you, if you need me to, to do anything, I'm there. You know, it's life after football, we'll have football, but football is not going to be the be all and end all. I think I'll have a new purpose. I think I will have a new purpose in CrossFit and I'll have a new purpose in, really like I'm going to get such an amazing feeling about watching Nicole study and work as hard as she can to become a doctor. I'm going to get an amazing sense of gratification from that because I know how much she's given up. Like she, she drops things out of hat to come on this journey with me. She spent two weeks in quarantine here in Thailand by herself. We, we did quarantine back home in Perth together. We did, we did quarantine in Korea together. You know, she gives up, her job as a sonographer that she loves, you know, to travel the world for me to kick a ball, you know, like what better way to, to say, actually, Nicole, like we, I don't need to work now, but do you know what you can go, you can actually go and live out your dream. And I've got us here. We're all right. You know, like I can go and pick up the kids. Like it's, I can drop them to school. If the parent teaches, I can go and do that. You know, you go and live out your dream obviously give us a hand because you're the, you're the man, you know, don't leave us high and second dry. But I think um, I'm living out my dream. It's probably in the next two, three years that we will start a family. We'll be able to raise them in an unbelievable, in an unbelievable way, whether it's away or back home in Australia. And then we'll get to a position where I'll stop playing and find a new purpose in life, throw myself into the old CrossFit and ECU. And then it will be hopefully in a position where our kids are, are at an age there where, okay, mum's going to go and mum's going to go and live out her dream now of, of, of becoming a doctor because dad's, dad's, dad's been able to live out his. So that's the perfect, perfect world. And look, it may not happen. You, you don't know what's around the corner, but 
for as long as we can, we're going to give it a red hot crack, and um, I'm going to enjoy. I'm going to enjoy it as much as I can post football. Mate, it sounds like a supremely exciting, exciting plan, and everything you've got mapped out sounds, you know, I think anyone anyone would would love to love to be involved in that. Um, I guess you know, and yourself being only 26 years old, um, I guess there's a lot, a lot of young people out there, myself included, who you know also quite young and kind of think about, you know, what are we, what are we going to do with our lives? So it's coming, I guess, coming from you, someone who's, you know, had a little bit of life experience traveling around and going through experiences like that. What's, you know, what's your advice to, to young people who are just kind of just trying to figure out where they should fit in and, you know, what they should focus on to, to be happy in life. What would you kind of say to them? Yeah. Like for me personally, I always look, I, I, I always look inward, you know, and, I think the biggest thing in, in, in life is happiness and fulfillment. You know, if you're happy doing something and you, and you feel genuinely excited to wake up in the morning and go, oh, you little ripper, I get to do this again. You know, if you've got them, then you're, you're three quarters of the way there. There's little bits and pieces that come along with that. Obviously, you, you, you need an income to survive and, and this, that and the other. And you, But it's amazing how life throws up things in your direction when you've got them two things you know what what's outside your control and outcomes and like it doesn't actually matter you know what matters is the is the is the process is your day-to-day principle you can have a goal you know and you're going to wake up in the morning and the goal that you've got in mind are are you going to be so happy and so fulfilled in your day-to-day practice to get you to that goal or are you going to wake up and think, oh, Jesus, I've got to do this again and struggle and struggle and struggle to end up somewhere where you actually don't want to be? Now, that's my definition of hell is, is having a goal in mind just to say, please someone or do something for someone where you're not actually really fulfilled and happy. And yeah, I'm, I'm 26, but like I'm, I think I've got to the point of, of genuinely feeling happy and fulfilled in what I'm doing. And what excites me even more is when, when my career is finished, like I feel like I'm going to be happy and fulfilled with what I go into next, you know, and that's so cool. So cool to feel like. So I think, yeah, for just our age people out there and, and people that feel lost and feel like they have no direction and want something, I think you just got to, the best thing to do is write it down somewhere, write it down. What genuinely makes me happy? What makes me fulfilled? And is there a career in that? And if there's a career in that, like, all right, well, what am I doing now? What's not making me happy and fulfilled? Get rid of that. Get that thing can go, you know, and then focus your attention on what's going to make you happy and fulfilled and actually dive down rabbit holes that's going to make you the best version of yourself in that, you know. Like my football is all about performance. So how can I be the best footballer I can be? Eat, sleep, train, recover, and my mindset. You know, they're the five things. Every if I get picked on the weekend, great. If we win on the weekend, great. You know, like, but then things. If if you're outcome driven, you, you're not gonna you're not gonna be happy and fulfilled if you don't you don't get that outcome at the end of it. You know, but in your day to day workings, leading you up to that outcome 
you do everything you want to do and more and you find so much drive and so much happiness and fulfillment in leading up to that goal come that outcome you're almost prepared for failure because it doesn't mean anything you've been so happy and fulfilled and having a crack and if you don't get there look at look at all the cool stuff you've done along the way you know and then like the best thing about it is like when you get to the end and you don't fail you get to start that process all over again and have another crack, you know, like here in Thailand, like I, I could stick my hand up and think like I failed, you know, I, I, I in performance as I'm coming off, I failed. I've, but like you strip it all back and think like, look what you're, you look what you're able to do on a day to day basis to have a crack on a weekend. Like you're not failing. You're enjoying the process. Are you happy? Yeah. Are you, do you fulfilled with, with life? Yeah. Are you in a position where your goals, your core values are getting ticked off every day? Yeah. Like, you're good. You know, you, you, you're grand. You know, you're fine. So, yeah, that's probably the biggest thing. You wake up in the morning, and if you're not genuinely happy and fulfilled with the with what with, with what you want to do, just go and find it. Don't don't be afraid. You know, be, be weird. Be true to yourself. Like, these Thai lads must think, I am the weirdest chap going round, you know, but... They, they'll accept you for who they'll accept your quirks. Like two, three weeks, they they knew after a game they'd be scoffing down things on the bus on the five hour um, five hour trip back to Buriram from Bangkok, and then I'd have I'd take me oats out and I'd be eating them out of the container. And like they're the little things. Like I'm not happy and fulfilled doing that. Like, but I am happy and fulfilled eating eating properly, you know. And um and and for training wise, like they're. Gym isn't an important thing here, but gym's a massive part of my life, you know. Um, like high repeat, high repeat efforts, my squats, my prehab, my stretching, like they're all, and they just look at me going like, this this chap, what, why is he doing all that? Like he's he's in the same position as me. Like he's walking out and he's playing on the weekend, but like genuinely, them things make me happy, you know. Like and and I found that again, it comes back to in Sydney, I found them things actually made me such a happy and fulfilled person and whether they're weird whether they don't fit in with the norm and this that it's not about anyone else it's not about outcomes it's not about it's about you and it's about how happy you can live your life and if you if you start doing things that are going to make you happy and fulfilled genuinely life has a funny way of showing you reciprocation on where you need to go and what you need to be you know and Again, I, I'm in Thailand. Shouldn't be here. I was in Korea. Not a chance we should have been in Korea, but this is where we are. This is what we're doing, and away we go. Until again, until we're gonna we're gonna do this and experience as much as life and live this way as long as possible. Until one of us, me and my wife, sticks our hands up and go right. Do you know what? We miss Australia. We miss home. Let's get back and let's uh, let's enjoy the next chapter of our lives. That is some absolutely, absolutely sensational advice, mate. And um, thank you so much for, you know, speaking through your story so, so eloquently and with so much detail and insight. Um, we're speaking for almost an hour, so I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I want to finish off with some quick fire questions. Okay. I'm um, just going to pick a bunch of them. You can either give me a one word answer. If you feel like you need to explain a little bit more context, then you can do that okay. as well. But um. Yeah. 
What's the first Socceroos game you either remember or you went to? Uh, the, the the famous John Aloisi penalty uh, to, to qualify the, the World Cup against Uruguay. I remember watching uh, the away leg and then the home leg uh, at home just uh, in in front of family and we had a few friends over and um, I actually thought like then and there I was like, how good would it be to be a soccer hoop? You know, how good would that be? Like, I'm just, I'm a young lad kicking the ball around a bit ECU. Like, we've got a way to get there. And, um, yeah, well, it still gives you a bit of goosebumps, you know, with the celebrations. But, yeah, that's me. That's me. One game I remember. Have you got a favourite soccer or a few favourite soccer of all time? I think um, in terms of, like, uh, players uh, I'm again I'm very biased to midfielders because that's when you watch the game like you look at the Timmy Cahill and it's amazing he, unbelievable what he did a Mark Viduka Harry Kuehl like these lads are unbelievable in what they're they've been able to achieve in Australia but like in terms of my position in midfielders like I thought when Jason Kalina was coming through and um, the way he played the game like his pass and his movement, this style of play was exceptional. And then more recently, you've got Mark Milligan and Millet Yednak that that were, they just did things right. Like in simple terms, they did things for the team. They played a certain way that that you knew what you were going to get from them. The consistency in the in at national level, playing against so many different countries, is is probably the hardest thing to get. And Mark Milligan Mark Milligan and Miller Nack had that every single time they went out. You knew what you were going to get from them, and they were just tremendous midfielders to watch. Who's your best football friend? Oh, best football friend. Does it have to be one, or no. can it be a few? A few, a few, a few. So I'd say like. I've still got really close connections with um, some, the Sydney lads. So, like, the Sydney bunch, you got Joshua Belante, Ryan Grant, uh, Michael Zools, Redders, you know, their core group. Um, the, the closest football mates away from your core family at Sydney, um, Alex Grant, who's just gone to, to Poang, and um, Josh Risden, like, young WA boys, grew up in the system playing together. And, um, yeah, they they'd be me closest kind of away from your Sydney family. Ryan Grant, mullet or no mullet? <laughs> I actually quite like the skinhead version of him now. And then um, he said his, his missus likes it as well. So um, that's a big tick. But um, like mullet or no mullet, Ryan Grant's style. Like if I did that, if I was trying to pull off a Ryan Grant look. Everyone looking at you think, you need to change your clothes. But whatever Buster does, it just suits him. It suits him down to the ground. So mullet tick, shaved head tick, Ryan Grant style, I just think works for him. Can you describe the feeling you had when you got, either, either when you first found out you were going to be called up for the Socceroos or when you first pulled on that jersey? Pride and disbelief. Because I remember watching Johnny Aloisi score that penalty and think I'll never get to them heights. And then like singing the national anthem 
just I think that for me was the biggest realization. Like obviously when Ernie tells you you're playing, then like yeah, it, it's starting to sink in. But the realization for me was when I was like you used to watch the national anthem on the telly, and like the camera would pan to so many, so all the lads, the starting members, and they'd be singing, and you'd think like you'd never, you'll like you'll never get there. No chance, you know. Look at the level they're playing at. And then I remember in South Korea, like I was there, like I was, I knew all my family and friends would be watching how I was watching like the Johnny Aloisi penalty, and I was singing the national anthem. And even now, it kind of gives you that goosebump. Like you, you got there. You know, you you did it. You got to that level. And I guess the challenge for me now, leading up, is that's awesome to get there. But how often can you get there? You know, and that that differentiates differentiate you from being a socceroo to your Millie Edenaks and your Mark Milligans and your your Aaron Moyes of this this world. So a long way to go, but yeah, I'm I'm proud of that. Your accent. Can you can you yeah. explain where can you explain a bit about it and where it's where how it's come about? So I'm a I'm a mongrel. I'm um I'm I've got loads of breeds in me. So obviously my mum and dad um and all all my family, uh, Irish, uh all based in Dublin. Uh my mum's side was the posh part of Dublin, my dad's side was the rough part of Dublin. So their accents differ a little bit. My dad's very um you need subtitles when mum's a very posh Irish accent. And then all of a sudden I meet my wife, who's from Sheffield, Rotherham in England, and they're a thick Yorkshire breed accent. Um, so that threw that into the mix. And obviously growing up in Australia, you got your, hey, girl, mate, you're all right. Let's go have a yarn. And like, so you grow, you, you grew up as an Irish Australian with a mix. Then you threw my wife's family into the mix and I'm left with a voice now where people actually think I'm from Liverpool. It's kind of Scouse-like, you know? Um, but, but yeah, I, I speak the way I speak. I chat the way I chat. And um, I, I always call myself Australia is home. And I, I am an Australian. Um, but I, I have family here, there and everywhere where if I go to Ireland, I'm, I'm happy as Larry there. I go to England, I'm happy as Larry there. Finish off with one more, mate. Um... Yeah bit of a toughie but uh what is your dream for australian football my dream for australian football that's a belter of a question well you you gotta you gotta you, you gotta think high and you gotta aim high you know and i think that that culture we've got now in the socceroos is is amazing because we're not settling for just for just anything, we're not just qualifying for an Olympic Games, just qualifying for a World Cup. You want to go and have a crack and be competitive, you know. We've we want to get out of the group stage. Like imagine Australian football if we got to a quarter final and semi final, and God forbid a final of a World Cup. Like why not? Why not? That's your dream. You want to go to the pinnacle of world football, and you don't just want to get out of the group stage. You want to be an important factor going forward in the style of play and the people that you've got in and around your country that's representing your country that gets you to quarterfinals and semifinals of things. Because in sport, and especially in Australian sport, we have final systems for everything. AFL, A-League, NRL, and we we get around everything as best we can when a final series happens, you know. 
imagine doing that on the world's biggest stage. Get get into the final series of the biggest competition in the world. Why not? And who knows, we might even see it in, in 2023 when the mm. Women's World Cup comes down under. But we'll have to have to wait and see, fingers crossed. Mate, it'd be I'll, all right, I'll, wouldn't it? Yeah, that'd be great. It'd be all right. Mate, I'll, I'll let you go, but thank you so much for your time today. Much appreciated. And um, hopefully catch up in June when the Socceroos finally, you know, get back, get back on the pitch. Keep your fingers and toes crossed. That'd be, um, yeah, that'd be something else. Cheers, mate. Thanks for listening to the Socceroos podcast with guest Brandon O'Neill. To learn more about Brandon and other Socceroos, head to socceroos.com.au as well as the social channels for all the latest news and videos on the team. Tune in next time for the Socceroos podcast and let us know on social media if there's plays and questions you want answered. Until then, goodbye. Matthew Leckie puts Australia into the quarterfinals. That is a magnificent goal by Alamabil. Oh, Matty Ryan, wow! Camping it out of the top corner like Superman.